Welcome to this presentation from the Downey Seventh-day Adventist Church. We are located in the greater Los Angeles area at 9820 Lakewood Boulevard in Downey, California. We would love to have you worship with us any Saturday you are in our area. digital friends who are joining us online. Thank you for joining us today. It's an awesome uh, opportunity for all to be here, and we are blessed. Let's begin with prayer. Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you for your goodness. Lord, we have gathered together to worship you. Be with us today. Lord, may you make yourself alive. Reveal yourself to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, just a couple of quick things we want to make sure that you are aware of. Starting next week, we're going to begin a new journey in the book of Proverbs, right? There are uh, several themes that we're going to explore, especially wisdom. And uh, we're going to talk about that over the next uh, five weeks in, uh, in May. And uh, actually, kind of as a challenge, there's 31 chapters in Proverbs, and there's 31 days in May. So maybe starting May 1, in addition to your already reading the Bible uh, of the New Testament, maybe if you want, you add a chapter of Proverbs a day, all right? Um, so we'll be starting that uh, next week. Also, if you have not gotten your adult quarterly or even our, our kids' weekly lessons, they are in the back on the table in the lobby, so please be sure to get some of those. AUS, our, our local uh, school here, uh, Adventist Union School is offering discounts for those as well on registration fees for next year if you register early. So, if you'd like to save some money, go ahead and contact them. Uh, and as well, this is a school that's uh, kindergarten through eighth grade. Now, if you have a high school student, uh, our other sister school, San Gabriel, uh, is also uh, just up the road <laughs> a little bit, uh, but you can also contact them. Now, if you're also new or maybe you're joining us online for the first time, uh, do you connect with us. You can text us at 562-869-6013. Uh, Simply text welcome. We'd like to get to know who you are. And, uh, and also, if you're a member and you're not in the loop already, please also let us know so that we can make sure that you are uh, up to date on all of the information. All right, so that'll help us just be able to connect with you. Other than that, let's go ahead and continue to worship. And at this time, I'd like to invite the congregation to please kneel as Vaughn uh, has our prayer today. We love you, Lord. We thank you so much for loving us, Lord, and we just ask that you would draw near to us right now, Father. May we feel your presence in a mighty, mighty way, Lord. We thank you so much, Lord, that your word continues to, to tell us that you are, you don't change, Lord. You're the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, Lord, and we give you glory for that. We thank you that your word does not change, Lord, and that all through last year, Lord, we know that you are with us. We know that you are guiding us and directing us. 
Father, we ask that you would continue to just open our hearts to what God has to tell us today, Lord, that it will just seep into our hearts, Lord, and that we can shine bright for you in, in this world, Lord, and around our families. And we just ask that you continue to be with our church family and these healing, Father God. We know each and every one of them, Lord, and we know that you love them, and we know that you're working on their behalf, Father. We ask that you would be with Pastor Chris and his wife, Lord, May you continue to guide and direct him, Father God, and we thank you for his service to you, Lord, and to us, Father. We ask that you would continue to be with our elders and our church, Lord, and our community, the police, the firemen, Lord, and especially the nurses and the doctors, Lord, and we lift up our government to you, Father God. May they hear your voice and your direction, Lord. We love you, Lord, and we give you all the glory and praise. You are our Redeemer, Lord. We love you, and we're looking so close forward to seeing you face-to-face, Father God, soon and very soon. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. morning boys and girls happy sabbath hope you guys are having a good week good school year and a happy sabbath today's children's story we're going to be looking at second corinthians 5 verse 17 where it says therefore if anyone is in christ he is a new creation the old has passed away behold the new has come now it says here that when we're in christ we are a new uh, creation Kind of like this Rubik's Cube, you know? When you first get it, it's nice, clean, perfect. But then you start messing around with it, you know? And sometimes it's actually pretty hard to solve. You kind of have to train yourself on how to solve it. But if you spend enough time and you learn the secret to solving it, you can solve it just like this. Brand new creation, just like we are when we are in Christ. We're down here. So boys and girls, remember that. If you remain in Christ and Christ remains in you, you will be a new creation, shiny and clean, just like this perfect Rubik's Cube. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you, God, for another blessed Sabbath, Lord. Lord, thank you so much for letting us congregate here at your house. We look forward to continuing uh, to worship here at your house, Lord. And we also ask that you please allow uh, this pandemic to soften down to the point where we can uh, have in-person children's story and where we can hug and greet everyone. Lord, I ask for a special blessing for, for these children. May you continue to guide and protect them and bless their parents as well, Lord. We ask all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, thank you, boys and girls, and have a happy Sabbath. Children's stories are getting fancy these days. <laughs> Special effects and the whole deal. Have you ever known any somebody who's dealing with some fears that maybe you don't understand or you don't quite get? You know, you got a friend that's afraid of, of something that's just you think might be kind of weird. Maybe they're afraid of 
pennies or something. I don't know, you know, and you're like, that's weird, man. I mean, I get being afraid of snakes, right? You might not know which ones are poisonous and which ones aren't, so you're just afraid of all of them. But sometimes people are afraid of things, and we look at those things and go, that's, that's kind of weird. And I don't want to make fun of anybody, because the fear is real, right? So we're not making fun of anybody. But I, I looked up a couple of what I thought were some of the more unique fears here. Panophobia. Anybody know what that is? That's good. It's the fear of everything. <laughs> These people are afraid of everything. They live in a constant state of dread. They're always worried that something bad is going to happen. Something's going to get them. Something's going to jump out of the bushes and grab them. So, you know, just bad things are going to happen. That's a horrible way to live. Phobia, phobia. People are afraid that they're going to get another phobia. <laughs> so they may have one or two or three phobias already, and they're afraid they're going to get another one. And it's usually kind of self-replicating. They do, because they're afraid of that. And so they say, what else am I afraid of? Well, I'm afraid of that. Well, now I've got four. What else am I afraid of? Well, now I've got five. Now I've got six. I guess eventually you become panophobic and you're afraid of everything, right? Not a good way to live. I hope I can say this one. Sesquipedalophobia, maybe, I don't know. This is the fear of long words. <laughs> And why we picked an 18-letter word to be afraid of people that are afraid of long What are you afraid of? I can't tell you why, because I'm afraid of it. I mean, they could have just said big word phobia. It would have been shorter. Genophobia. People are afraid of knees. Some people are afraid of their own knees. How do you get away from your fear if you're afraid of your own needs? I, you know, it's a horrible thing. And the last one, again, this is another tough one to say. Conseco teleophobia, maybe? I'm not sure. Some people don't go to Chinese or Japanese restaurants because they don't like the cuisine. Other people don't go because they have this and they're afraid of chopsticks. I don't know why. Maybe they watch too many kung fu movies and the master gun with the chopsticks. I, I don't know. There's some unique fears out there that people have. And fear is weird because you can't see it. You can't touch it. You can't feel it. But its effects are very real. They can be very paralyzing to people. This is my dog, Cooper. He's a rescue. We've had him about three years now. We got him when he was about a year and a half old. He's afraid of everything. We don't know what happened to him in that first year and a half of his life, but apparently it was very traumatic. He is afraid of everything, except dogs that are three times his size. He's pretty sure he can take them. But a plastic bag? No. 
And he's getting better. We're working with him. He's improving. He's getting better. But he has a lot of fear. The joke around the house is when we were getting a support dog, we didn't realize that we were going to have to support him instead of him supporting us. But, you know, sometimes we know people like that. They're afraid of everything. They have fears. And the fear is real. As we come out of this um, pandemic, people are afraid. Um, the media has done a good job of, of having us be afraid. And we're worried about things. And <clears throat> again, I'm not necessarily talking about people taking the proper precautions, right? Some folks are in high risk categories and, and they need to be prudent. That's different than fear. I'm just afraid. I've been talking to people, are you ready to come back to church? Are you ready to go out again? No, why? I'm afraid. And I, I don't know if that's necessarily the way God has wanted us to live or not. And we, we can be afraid of a lot of things. We can be afraid of how things are going in church. We've never done it that way before. Right? Have you ever heard anybody say that? Not so much here, because we've done a good job vilifying change and fear, but some churches have that. We've never done it that way before. We might be afraid of um, losing our job. We might be afraid of what, what's going to happen with our kids, or afraid of what's going to happen with my relationship. There's a lot of things we can be afraid of. Some of you will remember about 20 years ago when we were remodeling this building, we had to change a lot of things. Some of those changes were for the better. Some of those changes were kind of indifferent. Just, you know, we changed carpet from this carpet to that carpet. It wasn't better or worse, it was just different. And some things we didn't necessarily want to change. We didn't want to structurally change our tower. But we had to because we needed a pile of money really big and we only had a small pile of money. And that was a change we didn't want to do, but we managed that change, we worked with the change, and look, 20 years later, we're all surviving just fine with the tower being different, right? Sometimes the fear of change is worse than the actual change itself. So, the question is, what does the Bible say about fear? So, uh, we're gonna look at that today, we're gonna have a couple texts up, um, if you want to get out your, if you want to look at sermon notes, they're at sermons.church. Go there and find our church, and you can look at sermon notes, or you can just follow along here. We're still not allowed to pass things out yet, so we don't have it in hand. Number one, what's the Bible say? No fear. Do you remember in the 90s or 2000s, early 2000s, there was all those no fear shirts and no fear bumper stickers and we're Christians, we have no fear. Remember that? Any only one? A few of us nodding. Anybody have a no fear shirt? I did. Any only one? And I don't know what thoughts went through the guy that came up with that, what his uh, motivation was for starting that. But maybe it was this text. 2 Timothy 1.7 For the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, 
but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Now, the King James Version says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. Now, that word fear in Greek is where we get our word phobia from. Phobia and the Greek word fear related. When Paul wrote this, he did not use that word. He used a different word for fear here. And it's the only time that that particular word is used in the whole Bible. And that word kind of has more of the feeling of cowardice. Specifically, a soldier running from a battle. And we might call that person a coward, right? There's a different kind of fear here. Because there are times we should be afraid, right? If we go hiking in the mountains and we come across a bear or a large mountain lion, a certain amount of fear is probably good. That might keep you alive, right? If you had no fear, you'd go walk along and look a bear, right? That would be bad. So a certain amount of fear is helpful there. If we came across a bad guy who had a gun or a knife and he was threatening us, a certain amount of fear would be justified. But what if the fireman was afraid of the fire? Or what if the ER nurse or doctor was afraid of the blood and they fainted when they saw blood? And they couldn't help the people they were supposed to help. That would be bad, right? If you're afraid of fire, don't become a fireman, right? And we would call that maybe being a coward. Now, when I grew up, we used to say things like that all the time. People would tell you, don't be a coward, don't be a scary cat, cowboy up, man up, right? Toughen up, just do it. We tend not to say some of those things anymore, right? That's not politically correct. We don't tell each other, you're being a coward, right? And so I don't know, I mean, that's why they put the word timid there instead of the word coward, because it's not politically correct. You know, the Spirit of God doesn't make us a coward. Nobody wants to put that in. But if we were to rewrite this verse in today's language, and Paul is speaking to Timothy, he might actually say something like, hey, Timothy, don't be a coward. God gave you true love and brains. Don't buy a hundred rolls of toilet paper for yourself if you don't need it. <laughs> right? See, because this verse is that's what it's talking about. When he's talking about self-discipline and love and power, he's talking about controlling ourselves. Because when fear comes over, what is the most important thing? Numero uno. What am I going to do to save numero uno? Right? By the way, if you're ever hiking in the woods and you come across the bear, you don't have to outrun the bear. You've only got to outrun the slowest person in your group. Right? 
because that's the way we think when we're scared. How do I survive? If I'm the slowest person in the group, I'm going to trip somebody else, right? Because number one is what matters. And what Paul's saying here is, hey, use some self-control. Use your love. Use your brains. And think about somebody else. Don't be afraid. Second thing the Bible tells us is, don't worry. Now, fear and worry aren't exactly the same, but boy, boy, are they related. Right? If, if fear is right here, worry is right here. They are peas in the pot. They are rubbing shoulders. And it's one tiny step to go from the worry to the fear. What do we worry about? All right? What do we worry about? Open your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 6. This is a little bit too big to put up on the screen. We're going to open our Bibles. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Let's see what the Bible says about worry. Matthew 6, 25. I'm going to read these verses here. I want you to count to yourself how many times the word worry or worrying or something shows up in these, these ten verses. It says, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers in the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. How many times does the word worry show up? Seven. Seven times in ten verses. Perfect number. Don't worry. Don't worry. 
In that last verse, therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Now I know it's easy to say don't worry, and much harder to actually stop worrying. Right? It's easy to say, hard to do. And ladies, I need to talk to you for a second. Because this is a bigger problem for the women than the guys. Not that guys can't be worry wards, they can't. But it's a bigger problem for the ladies. Because men can do something that women can't. You guys can come home at the end of the day, spend a tough day at work, whatever. They sit down on the couch, put their feet up, get comfy in the couch, fold their arms. And the wife will come in and say, what are you thinking about? And the first thought that enters his mind is, oh no. Because he hasn't been thinking about anything. It's been in part just resting. Girls don't do that. Girls, it's always going. Right? It's always going. Guys, we can turn that off. Just sit down. I'll give you a penny for your thoughts. And his first thought is, that sounds like a good deal. I've been thinking about nothing. She's going to give me a penny. Right? Because guys aren't thinking about anything. But girls, they've got, it, they've got those cycles going on. It's like a computer, right? A computer has so many cycles, and it can only do so much. We talk about how many millions of instructions per second the computer can do. How many millions of instructions can your brain do in a second? It just go, 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 go. And you say, well, if I'm going to stop worrying, what's going to happen? I'm going to have empty cycles. What's going to happen? That worry will just come back into those empty cycles. Right? So we got to do something to fill up those empty cycles. Right? If you're having a problem with worrying, follow what they tell you to do. And like, I think it's AA. I've never been there, but I hear that they say the first step is to admit you have a problem and ask for help. Right? If you have a problem with worry, admit you have a problem, go to Jesus and say, Jesus, I need help. I think he'll answer that prayer. And he'll help you replace what's going on in those cycles in your brain with something else. And Paul tells us what that is. It's rejoice. Now some of you are thinking, oh wait a minute, if I've been worrying, I'm way over here worrying, and it's a big jump to way over there, where rejoicing is happening. I, I can't. That's too big of a jump. It's not that big of a jump. See, if you're worried about your kids, oh, Stevie's getting in trouble at school, I'm worried about him. Hey, rejoice that little Stevie's an artist. Maybe he likes to draw pictures. Right? Or Maria, she's She's coming up with the wrong friends. 
would rejoice that Maria is a little musician. She plays the piano every night in the house. And take part of what you're worried about and turn it into something to rejoice about. Amen. Okay? Philippians 4, 4 to 7 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Did your dad ever tell you, don't make me tell you twice? Yeah? Right? Because when, when dad says it twice, he means it. Paul says it twice. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'm going to say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Fifteen times in the four-chapter book of Philippians, Paul tells us to rejoice or to have joy. Fifteen times. And what he's talking about is an internal joy, an internal rejoicing. I'm not rejoicing because I won the lottery or some external thing. I'm not rejoicing because I saved up my money and bought a new car. Those things are okay. But I'm rejoicing because I have something inside. The peace of God which transcends all understanding. We're going to come back to that because that's really, really important. Okay? But we need to experience this joy. You ever seen people that are truly in love with each other? Nobody? <laughs> Some of us must have seen somebody that's truly in love with each other, right? Maybe it's, you know, people that are our grandparents' age, you know, and they've been together 60 years and they still love each other. They have a deep love for each other. You can tell that they love each other, right? Their countenance changes when they're in each other's company. It said that Prince Philip and the Queen had that kind of love. He passed away just, what, two weeks ago, three weeks ago? They were together a long time, and they truly loved each other. And you could tell it when they were together. When we have rejoicing in our hearts and the joy from Christ in our hearts, people will see it. It'll be evident. Number four, the last thing. Hold on to God's promises. Hold on to God's promises. See, we're called to be different than the rest of the world. We read that earlier from that other passage, right? Does the pagans chase after those things? You don't have to be like that. We're supposed to have boldness and courage, not ego and pride, but boldness and courage. Okay? So there's a line there, right? We don't say, oh, I don't have any fear, so I'm going to go do cartwheels on the freeway. No. That's not what that means, right? 
We have boldness and courage, not pride and ego. But if we hold on to God's promises, some of the promises like maybe that are in Psalms 46, verse 1, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Verse 7, the Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Verse 10, be still and know that I am God. That's just three of the promises in the Bible. It's full of thousands of them. Hold on to those promises. In Romans 8, Paul asked this question. You've probably heard this before. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? You've heard this before, right? Now it's a rhetorical question because Paul immediately answers it. But did you ever notice that second sentence there? Those are all things that we are afraid of. We're afraid of trouble and hardship and persecution and famine. Nobody wants to be naked, right? That's the stuff of nightmares, danger, or sword. These are things we're afraid of. And Paul is saying, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? The things you're afraid of cannot separate you from that. It cannot separate you from that. If we were to continue on, we'd say, no. In all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels or demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Isn't that great? What can separate you from God? Nothing. Nothing. President can't do it. So let's be honest, about half of us always fear the government, right? When the Republicans in office, the Democrats fear them. When the Democrats in office, the Republicans fear them, right? It just switches back and forth. He can't separate you from God. What about the police? You might be afraid of the police. Can the police separate you from God? What about the army? What can separate you from God? Nothing. The only thing that can separate you from God is you. You can make the choice to be separated from God. Now, remember that text we read earlier. The peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your heart. I wanted to get a picture of a big warrior angel. I couldn't find one I liked. So you have to use your imagination. Pretend we're on Mr. Rogers. Everybody use your imagination. Big warrior angel with his wings spread out. Impressive. With a big shield. A sharp sword. Guarding your heart. 
I like that. See, because the Bible says God will guard your heart with a peace that transcends all understanding. And when life is a wreck and things are going crazy and you look peaceful and calm, your friends are going to go, what's up with you? Because that doesn't make sense. And you know what you can say? You're right, it doesn't make sense because I have the peace of God that transcends all understanding. It doesn't make sense. It shouldn't make sense. Now, don't raise your hands. But who this morning would like to have the peace of God guarding your heart? Right? That sounds like a good place to be. That sounds like a good place to be. And the word Paul uses there for guarding your heart is again a military term. It has a connotation of these soldiers guarding your heart, that warrior angel guarding your heart. Keep your mind quiet instead of racing and afraid. See? The answer to fear is very simple. Let God into your heart. He will bring you peace and power and strength because as children of God, we are not called to live in fear. We live in victory. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us to not be afraid. Help us to not have fear. Lord, we want to be your children that live in victory, that have the peace that transcends all understanding. Not so we can be cool, not so that we can somehow have an edge over our neighbor, but so that we can share that with them, so that they too may know your peace. Lord, the world needs peace. Help us to be agents of that peace. Thank you so much for these words in the Bible that you have saved for us for all these years. But they give us hope. They give us courage. They help us to understand that we need to ask you to come before you humbly and say, Lord, I have a problem with the fear and the worry. Take that away and give me the peace that transcends all understandings. Be with us this upcoming week, Lord. Bring us back again. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. amen.